This episode of the I Save That podcast is made possible by support from SecuraCath. The revolutionary SecuraCath subcutaneous catheter securement device will make your job easier and save money by reducing catheter complications. Learn more at www.securacath.com. SecuraCath, for the life of the line. From the Association for Vascular Access, this is the I Save That Podcast. Come with me now. Come with me now. Episode four of the I Save That Podcast. Uh, I'm Eric Sager, Ava Director of Communications and Java Editor in Chief, joined by the one and only Director of Clinical Education for Ava, Judy Thompson out in San Diego. How are you, Judy? Good morning, Eric. I'm good. How about you? Great. Uh, getting ready to go to yet another day of jury duty, uh, fulfilling my civic duty for the past two weeks, going and sitting in a jury pool room and waiting to see if any Franklin County municipal court cases go to trial. There haven't been any yet, but, you know, gotta, gotta do my tax paying duty, I suppose. <laughs> good man. So you have not even been called in? No, no, no one has. It's been like wow. almost two full weeks and we've all just kind of been waiting. There's been a variance of like between 100 and 130, you know, cases heard every single day. And then we basically are on standby in case any goes to trial. And then as I understand it, you know, you if you if the one does go to trial, we can get screened and then you know if you're selected actually be on a juror, jury but that has not happened yet so me and a bunch of franklin county residents are just sitting and waiting for the cows to come home i suppose <laughs> <laughs> well we're proud of you thanks for doing your civic duty. yeah uh, so what's thanks. going on in your life so other than jury duty well, senor? yeah other than jury duty well still uh working getting a lot of great content to get ready to share with our members, both in Java and the the fall issue of Java is due out uh, beginning of September, just before the Ava Scientific Meeting in Columbus. So I'm working with our publisher to get that stuff in line and um, get the pages ready to go. So that's a slow process, but it's moving along. And then also working on our next issue of our newsletter, our electronic newsletter, which comes out in the middle of next month in August, in intervascular quarterly. So been busy doing that stuff and then, you know, podcasting and advertising for conferences, you know, just moving right along. Can't believe that July is basically over already. The summer is just flying by. It is. It is. You're right. It's nerve wracking and exciting. It is. Remember when what you about were you? I know and it took Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, when, I was, no, I when I was a kid. Remember I, when, and, and the year seemed to like crawl by and now you're an adult yeah. and it flies by? What the heck? Yeah. I actually was talking to my wife about that the other day. It's just like, man, I used to, the only time of the year when I was a kid that I thought went fast was the summer because we weren't in school, you know, and I had like <laughs> time to do whatever I wanted. But then during school and all that stuff, the years just crawled by. But now it's like, we're almost done with the seventh month of the year and fall is just around the corner and conferences too. It's just it's it's crazy. like crazy. Yes, it is. So Eric, I've been, I've been super busy too. It sounds like you've had fun at jury duty and <laughs> it 
sitting playing yeah. cards with all the sure. other Franklin County folks. Yeah. But right. <laughs> and I know that's not true. I'm sure you're working from jury duty as well. But um, mm-hmm. so I've been working on the guidelines a lot. Still, surprisingly, the content is really strong. But now we have we need the videography to go with it, and it, this is going to be really videography heavy. So I'm really excited about that but it takes a ton of time to put that together and edit. So um, I can't wait. I can't wait to get a, a few of these procedures down pat because they have to be short snippets as well, the way that right. um, folks learn these days. So I, I can't wait to share that with you and share that with all the folks out there in vascular access, as well as patients. It's, yeah, it's going to be such a valuable teaching tool. Like I don't even think I fully understand the, the gravity of it and I won't until I see it, but I'm excited because it's going to be really extensive and it's going to be a must have. Thanks. I appreciate it. I'm, I'm excited. In fact, I was talking to a patient that called in with a question a couple of days ago uh-huh. and she was at, at conference last year and heard about the guidelines we're writing and she called to see where they were. And sadly I told her they're not quite ready yet. And she goes, I can't wait because I want to take these in when my daughter goes in for treatment and tell them that this is what Ava says the treatment should be like. Not the treatment wow. per se, but the care on, on her daughter's line. And it, wow. it, it brought it right back home to what, you know, that, yeah, we're writing for clinicians and we're writing because this is what we do for this association. But when it comes down to it, it's for the care of the patient. And I, Absolutely. I really haven't, thought about it to the extent that the patient can have it in their hot little hand or have it on their phone and say, no, this is, Ava says that this is evidence-based and this is how you're supposed to do the procedure. So it, it took it to a different level. So, um, that's what it's all about. That's really great. Thanks. Um, Thanks. Yeah. That's man. What a great story. That's fantastic. That's, I I know there's going to be other ones like that too who come about and once the guidelines are finished, they're just going to be so overwhelmingly people thanking you guys for all the great work you've done because it is going to be a must have. And that's like what we do is, you know, we're here to serve the patients. So it's going to be another thing that we can put at the forefront of doing that. I agree. I agree. And then, you know, this week it's getting ready to head off on vacation week. So I will be gone for two weeks. Yeah. Wow. Where are you it's headed? Exciting. I'm going to Alaska. Alaska. The, the last I can't frontier. Wait. I hope I, the last frontier. I hope I see a bear, but not really close. I want to. <laughs> are you cruising up there? What's your itinerary? I mean, before diving into too much about it, but what's I, I asked as my parents went on an Alaskan cruise uh, for one of their anniversaries when I was a little kid, and they said it was amazing little bit of both. Going to go up there and do some hiking and biking for about four days, and then I'll be on a cruise for a week. So wow, ex- exciting time. I can't wait. Can't wait to shoot some pictures, and you know, hopefully stay clear of the beer, the bears, while I am um, hiking and and biking. That's that's my number one goal. Definitely, and well, your number one goal should be to not worry about work because you've been putting in a lot of, a lot of hours. So this is a, a going to be a nice break for you and a well-deserved one for sure. Well, but thank you. Enjoy it. That thank sounds you. amazing. I appreciate it. Thanks. I will. I will. 
No problem. Well, I think we have some really great um, interviews lined up for this episode. We're going to chat with Dr. Jack Ledun. Uh, he is the Ava General Session uh, Herbs Award recipient for this year in September. Uh, he's going to chat a little bit about his session and um, Ava in general, how he got to know about Ava and got involved. And then uh, we're going to touch a little bit on the recent collaboration from Ava and NHIA uh, to provide a member benefit for NHIA members who are interested in joining Ava to save some money. And then we've got uh, some other interviews Ramsey conducted well in Copenhagen. We Ramsey is not with us right now chatting because he is actually on vacation in Mexico with his family. So I'm sure he's enjoying uh, his, himself down there and kind of getting away from things for a little bit. But uh, he'll be back on the next episode. And um, everyone, I hope you could stay tuned for all of those. There's plenty more of that to come. Uh, so stay tuned. Thanks, guys. The SecureCath subcutaneous engineered stabilization device is a revolutionary new method for catheter securement that does not require adhesives or sutures. The unique design of the SecureCath secures right at the insertion site and lasts for the life of the line. The SecureCath can dramatically decrease catheter migration and dislodgement, decrease catheter replacement costs, prevent medical adhesive-related skin injury or MARCI, reduce catheter complications, and lower the total cost of patient care. SecureCath for the life of the line. For more information, visit www.securacath.com. That's S-E-C-U-R-A-C-A-T-H. And we are joined today by 2018 Suzanne Herbst Award winner, Dr. Jack Ledun. Jack, how are you doing, sir? Good enough, Ramsey. Good morning, Jack. This is Judy. Morning, Judy. Well, Jack, we also have Eric Sager. He is our Director of Communications and our Editor-in-Chief of Java. And you just heard Ramsey Nasrallah, who is our CEO. So welcome, guys. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Great to talk to you, Jack. I have no complaints. I always love talking to Jack. I'm excited for him to win uh, and be presented with the, the award at, uh, at AVA in Columbus coming up in September. And as always, I'm excited to watch him present because he is one of the most lively, informative, and engaging uh, presenters that I see throughout the vascular access world. And I get to travel all of it, so I can speak with some authority. Appreciate that. <laughs> that is without a doubt true. We, um, we love you, at Ava. Jack, you are a huge draw for us. And whether we agree with you, disagree, you're always fun. So thank you disagree. so much. Never. <laughs> I mean, some people do, not me. Some people do. I mean, I don't know who those are. but I'll tell you, I just want to say, you know, Ramsey was at the beginning. We piloted the um, CVT insertion course, and uh, it was a bit of a dog and pony uh, that day. I'll never forget it. But, uh, you know, he was there witnessing it. So That was 2008. This is the decade yeah. celebration of uh, of that uh, pilot. That, yeah, and we, you know, it's turned into something. But that day, it was we realized we were um, undermatched for the, um, you know, for dealing with the enemy. But it has made amazing strides and a huge impact in practice. But so, Jack, your involvement in Ava and vascular access has made a huge impact to our specialty. What drew you to Ava? Uh, so um, basically. At work, I received a copy of the Java, and it was a different name back then, the Navan, or it had a different name. So I received this journal in the mail. And I'm, I'm flipping through it, 
I'm saying, boy, this sounds a lot like what I do. And then instead of like putting it down and never seeing it again, I, I went to the uh, joined. I joined up. You know, I so it was at, you know just somehow somebody sent me that you know journal in the in the mail. I don't even know how. And um, that turned. I'd never heard of it before. And that was in 2005 when I got that. Sounds like some fabulous marketing. Oh, absolutely, <laughs> genius, pure genius. So um, I you know so I signed up and then. Um, I, I saw a thing um, you could submit to present at the conference. I'm going, wow, look at look at this, you know. So um, I submitted a thing, you know, an abstract, you know, present at the conference in uh, Indianapolis in 2006. And then a lady named Darcy called me up to talk about, um, you know, my presentation. So that's how I got involved uh, with Ava. That was my first Ava. And that's the same one I met Darcy Dolman at, too. Wow, man. We're basically the same guy, Jack. No question. No question. We both we don't we both don't know much math, you know. Correct. <laughs> Small world. So, like Ramsey told, said earlier, you are being honored with Ava's highest award. Congratulations, the Susan Herbst Thank Award. You. Thank you. You're welcome. So well deserved. Yes. Along with this award, you're given the stage. So tell us a little bit about your presentation. I think he's stage shy. He's going to be nervous before he presents. Well, true, true and true, you know, um, you know, I, I, I figured, you know, now I have to do a, uh, an acceptance speech. So my idea was to have Suzanne Herbst, you know, if she was going to be there, talk about beginning of Ava and then, you know, I'm thinking I got like 20 minutes. I'm going, who's going to listen to this for 20 minutes. But anyway, um, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to do a regular acceptance, um, speech. So the topic I, I had submitted a different topic, you know, for the conference. And then um, when I received this, I decided that I would change the topic because it's, it's going to be a general session. And um, so I want to talk about quality improvement in vascular access, trying to put together the different fragmented that, you know, come up in the literature and the education that we all talk about. In other words, you know, people come up to you with, Hey, here's my new needleless connector. Like, this is the bomb. This is the answer. Hey, great. I'm sure it's a great product. It's a big world. Like, we, there's a lot to there's a lot to this thing. So I try to break it down into different phases of the life cycle. In other words, instead of focusing on the patient, I'm focusing on the device and just doing the best in each phase of the life cycle of a central venous access device. That's the basis of the presentation. When we were in Copenhagen, it was a, a great talk. The keynote speaker was a Dr. DDA Patet from Switzerland, and he gave a great talk. And basically, what it came down to was, you want to prevent infections, do everything right. I'm saying, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that's what we have to do. And like, hey, that needless connector is that's a part of it, I'm sure. But there's a lot of things that we have to do right to um, prevent infections. And I think infections is a special complication that has implications not only for us and our patients, but for the generations going forward. So I think dealing with infection, there's a place to taking a longer view, a generational view, an existential view to it. So I'm going to try to do all that. That is awesome. And I know your presentations are always chock full with videos. So I'm excited to see what you put together for this. You are, you're a master at presenting. So I'm excited for that. 
And no one, yeah, no one really look puts at- away. It's it's hard to it's hard to get bored at a jack talk. And I like what you just said about Didier at uh, Wakova, where he was actually criticizing bundles. Uh, because- I got that. That's going to be. <laughs> I just started taking that down last night. That's going to be in there. Um, so He's right to a degree. That, yeah. You're over reliant on when people get over reliant on bundles. They think the bundle does the work, but you just said it. You know, there are components within the bundle, and you have to do everything right. When I talk about you know the insertion that there's 16 choices, I'm thinking. Not much of a bundle. You know, for a bundle. People tell me it's people tell me it's too much, but I'm thinking, you know, sure it's too much. But on the other hand, you have those decisions whether you like it or not. Like you can use an ultrasound and not use an ultrasound. You can cut the skin or not cut the skin. If you choose not to cut the skin, or if you choose to cut the skin, you made a choice. You know, you're going to have these choices, like it or not. And the fact that I don't choose to boil it down to a bundle of three to five objects. And I'm glad to hear Didier. I like it, you know, when these big people and I are saying kind of the same thing. It gives me validation. So I like that. As Sorry. far as videos for this thing, I'm looking, you know, I don't have that many. I'm going to, um, you know, it's going to be my focus the next couple of weeks to, like, make it lively. And I always found if I try to do a regular talk with graphs and statistics, the people in the audience are on Facebook. If I show videos, they watch the videos. Video is becoming king. In, in all aspects yeah. of content uh-huh. sharing. So Dr. Jack was way ahead of that. He's been yeah. plugging it video. Sounds like I think it. He, yeah, he led the pack on this one. Jack, one of your one of your key um, presentations that you often do is on defining where insertion stops and care and maintenance begins. And I think that's huge. I, I think that's really taken to a lot of people's hearts. And I know it's been replicated because I've seen it. Someone, um, yeah. I've seen that in a couple presentations. So just for people that haven't seen it, just touch base really quick on the gist of insertion versus the care and maintenance and really the percentages of what we're in. Like insertion yeah. takes I'll, X I'll, amount. I'll, I'll tell you what the origin of it was. Um, there's a famous surgical textbook, which I can't remember the name of, by a British surgeon named Oliver Cope. And it's about the acute abdomen. And I remember one of the things that he said, just one line in there, he says, if you know when something started, that's good information. In other words, somebody comes to you with abdominal pain and they say it started last night, that means something. If they say it started two years ago, that means something different. So just knowing when something starts or something stops, it's good information and it compartmentalizes um, you know, what we know about it and what we can do about it. So to your question, I, you know, you hear a lot of terms thrown around. And one of, them is, one of them is care and maintenance. We don't really, you know, all we do is really say the term care and maintenance. We don't go into it nearly enough. You know, I stop to think, like, when is care, what is the phase? What is the phase of care and maintenance? So it's really, once the, once the device is in and the dressing's on, by definition, the patient is in the care and maintenance phase. And that phase lasts from the time you put on your initial dressing until you remove the device, care and maintenance. Then when you start looking at how these things dwell, the insertion phase is, say, 60 minutes. People tell you it takes two minutes, five minutes, or 10 minutes, but we all know it's 60 minutes you know, out of your life. So the insertion phase is 60 minutes, and then the dwell of these things is, six days, 15 days, 20 days or longer, the, 
the care and maintenance phase or the dwell is 99 plus percent of the life of the catheter. So once you realize what phase you're in, you kind of hone in and like improve that phase or determine like if an infection is occurring, you know, in a particular phase, you can deal with that. And there's another thing for me, it's the relationship between the insertion and the care and maintenance. In other words, the inserter in his two minutes or 60 minutes that he, that he is responsible for the device has to hand it over to the RN in a proper configuration so she can provide ideal care and maintenance. We don't do that. We didn't do a job. Another thing, you know, you ask, when do you consider that an infection is due to insertion, and when do you consider that it shifts over to care and maintenance? People generally say in the four to five day range that after five days, generally, you know, and this is like, you know, an informal poll around the country and around the world. People will say that, you know, after five days, it's no longer the insertion that was the cause but only if it was put in properly and the dressing stays on. If you put it in a funny configuration during the insertion, that may be the cause of the infection way longer than five days. You know what I mean? If the dressing can't stay on, it's not doing its job, namely separating the patient from the toxic environment of the ICU or the um, skilled nursing facility or whatever. So we have to understand the relationship between a proper insertion, and ideal care and maintenance. So in order to prevent an infection, we have to do everything right. Jack, that's such a great point. And I've seen you talk many times. And that really, the four to five day period, yeah, I've used that the length of time myself. But I never really brought it back to, hey, if you put it up by the earlobe, it still belongs to the inserter because they put it in a horrible spot. Yes. And that's the point for the, in quotes, idiots, you know, that put these lines in any which way, and then like, oh, the infection came on day five. Well, not me. Well, it's not me, you know. So, so this is another thing, you know, people are scared of pneumothorax and other insertional complications. So pneumothorax, Liz Simcox told me this, you know, Liz from England, when we're in Denmark, she says, Jack, you know, I'm scared to do the axillary approach because if I puncture somebody's lung, everybody's going to know who did it. That's the problem. For infection, everybody denies that it's them. But for a pneumothorax, <laughs> there's no denial. There's no denial That's about true. it. If you, you know, if you stuck a needle into somebody's lung, you know, there's, there's no denial. So, but I think we have to get people to be more scared of causing an infection than they are of puncturing somebody's lung. Misguided, it's misplaced. I did a, you know, comparison of this last year. And I mean, the two complications do not compare. Infection has a 12 to 25% mortality, extreme morbidity, very expensive. The only thing is that pneumothorax is pinned to an individual person. That's true. It, uh, it screams ownership on that one. Yeah. You can see Dr. Jack in Columbus in September. If you haven't registered for AVA already, you should. He is the 2018 Suzanne Herbst Award winner, Dr. Jack Ledon. Jack, thank you for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you, Jack. Take care. See you in September. Bye-bye, kids. Jen Sharon, the Vice President for Clinical Services for the National Home Infusion Association, to chat a little bit about a recent collaboration between NHIA and AVA. Uh, good morning, Jen. How are you doing? Happy to have you here. 
Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So for those who, who might not know much about NHIA, could you maybe talk a little bit about what uh, your association does and then also kind of what you do personally uh, for for it and how the, you know, the groundwork for this relationship with Ava uh, kind of came around? Sure, yeah. So NHIA is a trade association. It's a little bit different from the way Ava is set up. Uh, so essentially, organi organizations become members, which then includes a membership for all their employees, whereas Ava is, you know, the individual membership. Uh, we represent the home infusion providers, so those are the companies, you know, providing the medications in the nursing and clinical services for the patients, but also um, the businesses that support the home infusion market, and that can range anywhere from tech companies all the way up to GPOs. So that's kind of how NHIA is structured. What I do at NHIA really is focus on education, so I oversee the conference, webinars, CE activities. But I also work really closely with our business development and government affairs team to grow our association and then push for legislation related to the advancement of home infusion. How this all started really with Beth uh, actually came to our conference when I started in 2017. She had talked to uh, Marilyn Techler um, about a uh, central line venous access device tool that we had developed um, as well as one of our ed committee members and thought it would be a good idea to make that into a patient education tool. Beth and I chatted about that and then I came to the AVA conference. I met uh, Ramsey and talked to Beth again and Ramsey came to our office um, and we spent the day together and really uh, enjoyed the conversation with everybody I had talked to at AVA. Love the energy of the association and um, so here we are. That's how we got here. Here we are. That's right. So it sounds like there's a lot of similar in the vein of, uh, of education and obviously that's one of AVA's uh, core values, you know, educating clinicians, you know, saving the line and protecting patients, which you know, NHIA is all about as well. And it sounds like it's an essential piece of, you know, patient safety structure and another great organization that we can work with to benefit and put patients first. Um, and I think teaming with Ava moving forward in the continuum of care is going to be incredibly beneficial for, for both parties in this relationship. Absolutely. I think, you know, it's really great to be working with an association and feeling like we're all on the same team to just push the industry forward. So it's all about elevating our care, um, which then provides a much better experience for patients. So we're excited to be working with you all. Definitely. And it's, as I understand it, and I was involved with working on the press release with, with you and uh, with Ramsey and also with Marilyn, who you mentioned before, uh, to announce this collaboration. Um, and the collaboration is that the NHIA members who are interested in becoming AVA members will receive a 15% discount on the annual AVA membership fee, which lets them access to all kind of great content, um, whether it be in the Journal of the Association for Vascular Access, Intravascular Quarterly, which is our, our uh, quarterly e-newsletter, the AVA Learning Center, um, reduced board certification fees and discounts on registration for the AVA annual scientific meeting. So if, if listeners want more details on that collaboration to read the press release, you can visit www.avainfo.org slash NHIA or head to the NHIA website as well. Um, you can read about it and find out more about this great organization. So, and it's, it's clear that this collaboration, in my opinion, can work for those, you know, clinicians who are extremely talented in, in performing safe vascular access every single day. 
uh, just kind of in the home care setting. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think a lot of times we forget about those um, that are in the home and a lot of vascular access is not just for the hospital. Uh, a lot of our patients need these um, for their for their entire lives. Um, so the more that we can focus on ensuring that those patients are getting good quality, safe care in their homes, uh, the better off both the whole healthcare in general will be, but also our individual patients. It's a no-brainer in my opinion. Um, and I, I think it's kind of been a long time coming and for organizations like ours to sort of meet in the middle and continue to push for positive vascular access advancement um, and working together. So uh, my next question is, is how receptive has your membership base been since we sort of made the announcement? I know it's only been you know, recently about a week or so, uh, but about the discount to join Ava and, you know, are they excited about you know, teaming up with us to move forward? Yeah, you know, I think we've gotten a lot of good positive feedback, so we're excited about that. And interestingly, I was just kind of browsing through LinkedIn yesterday, and one of the comments was, a long time coming. And so I think that speaks a lot yeah. to the fact that associations really, you know, we need to work together uh, for a common good, and uh, collaborating is really what we what we need to be doing moving forward. Absolutely. It's, it's clear that this is an extremely positive step in the right direction for vascular access and the continuum of care. And I wanted to extend a hearty thank you to Jen. You know, we worked pretty diligently together to finalize the press release and getting the finer points of this collaboration for the announcement. Um, and I would be remiss if I failed to mention Marilyn, uh, who's your vice president of communications. I understand you both wear you know, multiple hats for NHIA to keep things moving in the right direction, as we all do with um, association life. And Abe is excited to continue to work with you guys moving forward. So thanks again. And uh, I wanted to thank you for coming on our podcast to chat about it. Absolutely. I'm excited to continue to move this relationship forward. Thanks for having me. Matt Ostroff. He is on the AVA design team. We are in Copenhagen at, at Wakova. Uh, Matt, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. I just got to present on my mid-thigh work, doing femoral catheters up to the IVC. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's been really exciting here to see the new technology and the new techniques and everybody, how they're working to mitigate patients' issues. It's, uh, it's fascinating stuff to come to a place like Wakova and see these advancements from globally. And you're going to be presenting also at AVA coming up in September. Yeah, I'll be presenting on my mid-thigh work uh, as well in AVA. And uh, putting the D team together was really exciting. I think this is going to be a great conference. Yeah, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And, and being on the design team, you have insight into to the curriculum that's being planned, what's being put together. Um, but one of the things that makes you uh, really emblematic of what, what AVA stands for, Matt, is we're a multidisciplinary vascular access organization. Can you talk a little bit about where you come from, how you got involved with vascular access, and some of the differences you see between you know, where you started and how you've evolved as a vascular access clinician? Sure. Um, probably the most exciting thing for me is I started on the street. So I was a paramedic. So we were putting peripheral lines in, uh, external jugular lines in, intubating. We were working on the street under really awful conditions. Um, and to take that emergency setting and then apply it to procedures where 
um, it's semi-stable. Yeah. Um, mostly controlled. <laughs> mostly yeah. controlled. You can take that edge that you lived on on the street and be calm when uh, things are difficult, when patient presentations are, are more complex. Um, so it's been really uh, interesting to take the progression of going from the street to the emergency room to being a specialist uh, and, and applying all the different environments that I've been in to where I am now. Mm -hmm. um, I think it, it's made me a more well-rounded uh, individual where I can focus everything out um, because I'm used to chaos right? Uh, and, and focus on what's in front of me, which is the most important thing, which is our patient. Right, the patient. And the chaos of the street versus uh, the relative chaos of the ED. We were talking earlier about some of the misconceptions of what how, how the patient is presented in the emergency room. We watch so many <laughs> shows like ER. It's You always get the exciting stuff when you're watching something that has commercial breaks. Uh, what is the difference between how we think of the emergency room and the patient there versus what it's actually like to be working those shifts. Right, I mean, when you tell someone you're a paramedic, they think, oh wow, you're flying around the city with sirens, and, and we do. But about 80% of our cases are stable patients where we're able to uh, take care of them, take a history, put a very nice, you know, good IV in, um, and even in the ER, you know, the same thing. The 20% of the trauma that we deal with or the cardiac arrests, those are lines that you know should be exchanged right. because we're we're in a rush we're in a we're in a crazy environment everything's you know going wild and it's crazy and you don't have the time to set up but for 80% of our patients i think we need to give a little credit to the clinicians out there that they are trying to do a good job they're they're prepping the skin they're wearing gloves uh, they're trying to put the ivs in a you know really good location um and you're you're right i mean there is a big misconception that um everything's dirty right and, and they they're just like you know cowboys out there doing crazy things. every scenario is the worst case scenario <laughs> even the er nurses you know my wife always tells me she says nobody goes to work to hurt somebody so while you might be the specialist that does a full max barrier procedure and then you criticize the nurse you know in the er who's got 17 patients who's trying their best um, we have to realize where everybody is where they sit what their environment is, what they're dealing with, mm -hmm. before we judge how they practice, and then we can improve their practice. Of course. But we have to realize that nobody is intending to do anything wrong. They just need to be educated, and that's what, that's what Ava's all about. You come to Ava and you go, whoa, I could do this, I could do this better, I could improve that, that'll help my patients, and then you bring that back. Right. It's, uh, I mean, vascular access is a multidisciplinary specialty, and it's shared from the street to the ER to the floors. And you're really emblematic of, of what we try to represent. Um, he is Matt Ostroff. You can see him and many other uh, key opinion leaders uh, who are doing novel things with vascular access in Columbus coming up in September. Thank you for your time. Let's go enjoy Copenhagen. Thank you. Everyone, this is Jennifer, AVA's Member Services Coordinator. There are three AVA Network events coming up in the next few weeks that you don't want to miss if you're going to be in the area. DMV Van's inaugural meeting is this Sunday, July 29th in Alexandria, Virginia. Michelle Haas will be speaking about meeting the needs of patients with a history of IDU. After the speaker, there will be a panel discussion on vascular access for the IV drug abuser. This will be the first of a two-part series on the topic. InVan will kick off August next Wednesday at 6 p.m. at the Fire Creek Grill in West Des Moines, Iowa. 
when it hosts Patu Devgon for a review on the different approaches to blood draws. And finally, Flavan hosts the 2018 Vascular Access Summit on Saturday, August 11th in St. Augustine, Florida. Six continuing education credits are available for this all-day event and exhibitor fair. For more information about these and other events, visit www.avainfo.org events. And don't forget, if you haven't registered for the 2018 AVA Annual Scientific Meeting in Columbus this September, early bird pricing ends August 13th. This will be an amazing opportunity to learn and network with other vascular access professionals. So register now to save some money. You can see the entire AVA network calendar on the AVA website at www.avainfo.org, which is also where you can join AVA or donate to the AVA Foundation. AVA is all over social media. You can follow the Association for Vascular Access on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest. Make sure you're subscribed to the I Save That podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and SoundCloud. In our next episode, we'll chat with Elizabeth Dow, a board-certified vascular access and infusion specialist, about the current state of home infusion and where it sits on the continuum of vascular access care, as well as certification, credentialing agencies, outreach, and much more. Thanks again to SecuraCath for sponsoring this episode of the I Save That podcast, and thank you to our guests, Dr. Jack Ledun, Jen Sharon, and Matt Ostroff. And as always, thanks to Dabney Coleman. The information discussed on the I Save That podcast is solely for informational purposes. You should personally seek the guidance of clinicians before making any decisions that affect your health or the health of your patients. Listeners of this podcast are advised to do their own due diligence when it comes to making vascular access decisions. Our goal is to inform and entertain the healthcare landscape while giving you a starting point for your discussions with your own clinicians and professional advisors. By listening to this podcast, you agree that the hosts, our guests, our sponsors, and the Association for Vascular Access are not responsible for the success or failure of your health, your career, or any decision you make related to any of the information that we have presented. The I Save That podcast contains segments of copyrighted music that was not specifically authorized to be used, but is protected by federal law and the Fair Use Doctrine as cited in Section 107 of the U.S. Copyright Act. If you have any specific concerns about this video or our position on fair use defense, please contact us at podcast at avainfo.org. No part of this broadcast shall be reproduced, transmitted, or sold in whole or in part or in any form without prior written consent of the Association for Vascular Access.